0: Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Wherever you may be listening, hope that you and your family are doing well. You've had a great week. Fall is right around the corner. Sports are becoming more and more into the picture. You know, we're in the midst of the basketball and NHL playoffs. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs in just a second. But now we're in the home stretch of the baseball season. College football has started. And tonight, NFL is starting, the NFL is starting up as well, so if you've been waiting to have a full slate of sports, it is finally here. Before we go into the show, I do want to remind you of our title sponsor, RockAuto.com RockAuto.com, amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need visit RockAuto.com today uh, if you are a new listener to the show thank you so much, we certainly enjoy you being here, you can find myself at StatsSAC, the show at LockedOnGrizz on Twitter, you can find the podcast anywhere podcast. May be available Stitcher, Spotify, the podcast app on your phone. We would love for you to listen, subscribe, review. Let us know how you feel about the show and what content you might like to see featured. We always want to sh- we always want to feature content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. So we took a little bit of a break from our player review series over the past couple of episodes. Of course, the reason why is is obviously valid. The incredible news of John ja Morant winning the 2019 2020 NBA Rookie of the Year, the second time in the history of the Grizzlies franchise that a player has won Rookie of the Year. We were able to talk with former co-host Mark King as well as former Grizzlies beat writer, David Cobb, got their excellent perspectives. Can't thank them enough for coming on. So we said you know, we certainly wanted to take time to celebrate you know the momentous occasion that was John Morant's rookie season. And we'll have plenty more to talk about that as the offseason unfolds. But we want to get back into our player review series and want to focus on the other guards that were relevant to the Grizzlies' success this season beyond Morant, and that starts with Tyus Jones. Now, Tyus Jones came to the Grizzlies in the summer of 2019. It goes back to the Mark Gasol trade in, in uh, February 2019. In that trade. Jonas Valanciunas wound up being the main future piece that we got in exchange for Gasol, but another name, DeLone Wright, was actually viewed by some, including myself at times, as potentially being the main piece himself. as After a few impressive months with the Grizzlies that Nalone Wright showed, At the end of the 2018-2019 season, the expectations were that the Grizzlies would pursue him and and sign him to an extended contract in restricted free agency. Well, instead of signing him, they used him as a way in a trade to get extra picks. They traded him to Dallas for two picks. And then they took the money that was earmarked for Wright and actually used it to sign Jones. Now, at the time that Jones was signed, there was a bit of a debate. Who was the better long-term investment, Wright or Jones? And as Peter Edmondson and others pointed out, a reason why the Grizzlies may have preferred Jones was due to the historical efficiency he had shown, especially in the assist-to-turnover ratio. Jones had shown Jones had, had come into last summer off a season in which he averaged six assists for every one turnover committed, just in a historical level of passing and decision making that the Grizzlies really felt would be a good fit for their roster. Well, as the season started, that aspect of Jones' game certainly remained. But he did struggle to start out. However, it was certainly understandable. Jones, to start the season, was 23, 24 years old. He was coming into a new situation in a new role, likely being asked to do more than he had been done in the past, was with a new head coach with the youngest team in the league. A lot of newness was there, and that is an obvious reason why it probably took Jones a few weeks to get going. But once he did get going, the results were absolutely amazing. And not only for Jones himself, but for the Grizzlies probably exceeded expectations that many had in terms of the His efficiency, Jones maintained that level of historical production despite the fact that he was featured more. In the 2018 2019 season, Jones averaged 7.5 assists and 1.1 turnovers per 36 minutes. That was with a 14% usage rating in over 1,500 minutes of play. This season, Jones only played a little over 1,200 minutes just to play in less games, but his usage rate increased from 14% to 17%. However, his assists went from 7.5 to 8.3, and his turnovers went from 1.1 to 1.6. Though Jones did have the ball in his hands more and basically was involved in more plays, he still maintained his level, uh, his historic level of efficiency, which made it even more impressive and benefited both him and the Grizzlies as the season went along. But that's not the only aspect of Jones' game that either remained productive or improved. Jones actually stepped up his production as a scorer as well. Though he only averaged a little above seven points per game, Jones shot nearly 46% from the field and 38% from three, both career highs. While Jones was is not a prol- prolific scorer by any means, that improvement in his game certainly is a step forward because it allows for him to become, to become more of a multifaceted scorer for the Grizzlies. Jones has always been a point guard that has shown preference in the short mid-range game. He has shown he has shown a preference to get within four to fourteen feet of the basket to be able to make shots, especially featuring his floater that we know several members of the Grizzlies roster, uh, you know, perfected this season. If you look at cleaning the glass, Jones was actually in the hundredth percentile of point guards whose percentage of their overall shots taken were in that short mid-range game. He was one of the had one of the highest marks in the league, but he also was in the 85th percentile in terms of his accuracy from that range. In other words, the defenses have to respect Jones's ability to not only get in the lane, but unleash his either his floater or short mid-range shot to convert baskets. The thing about that, though, is, is this, is that not only can Jones be successful doing that, getting into the lane... And knowing when to unleash his shot. But if the defense is focused on that, now you've got a historically efficient passer who can pass out to the perimeter for his teammates to get open looks. That was a big, big thing about the Grizzlies this year as they finished second in the league overall in assists. Jones played a big part of that, and it also was a reason why the Grizzlies were likely able to really minimize their lack of individual shooting talent because of the good looks that Morant and Jones and others were able to provide to shooters on the outside. But with the ball, Jones is certainly effective. He can get into the lane, he can shoot from the short mid-range, and he can pass back out and pass in general. But Jones also showed the ability to add value without the ball. He was 42% on catch-and-shoot three-point opportunities this season, one of the best measures on the Grizzlies roster. That shows that Jones, even though he does not have the ball in his hands, can can still be a contributor due to his... You know, good intelligence, he can find spots out on the perimeter and can receive passes and show that he is a reliable knockdown shooter in catch-and-shoot opportunities. So along with his historical efficiency, Jones certainly took a step forward in terms of his scoring ability. But the impact of Jones on the Grizzlies is not just based on what he did as an individual, it's also based on what he did for others. With Jones in the mix as the guiding hand of our second unit, the Grizzlies reserve unit led the NBA among all league reserves units in the NBA, the Grizzlies were first in assists and first in field goal percentage, despite many other benches likely, likely having better individual talents. Jones simply elevated the offensive game of other members of the Grizzlies bench. Kyle Anderson, uh, uh, Josh Jackson, Orgy Dang, DeAnthony Melton, each of these players' offensive games were better, Brandon Clark even, were better when they played with Jones. That's why you see Jones's name a lot uh, among the best lineups of the Grizzlies when it comes to offensive rating and net rating. But this was even more evident by when Jones did not play, and that was in the bubble. When Jones's injury occurred between the Miami Heat scrimmage and the first game against Portland, we did not know how much of a blow it would be, but it wound up being quite devastating devastating. Though the Grizzlies bench did eventually become an advantage again due to the emergence of Grayson Allen, it's hard not to say that Jones would have been a difference-making player for the Grizzlies and that his involvement likely would have helped us at least win one more game to have a good chance in the playoffs. It clearly was evident that the Grizzlies missed Jones and that he was a big, big part to their success this season. But the thing about it is this, we have Jones, Allen, and Clark on all under contract for multiple years going forward. That trio of players, Jones's ball handling and passing, um, um, Clark's overall efficiency down low, and Allen's ability to shoot the three plus the secondary offensive skills of each of these players, that's a heck of a trio that forms a very, very advantageous bench for the Grizzlies. That not only is a great asset for a team trying to get closer to contention, but it also is a wonderful thing to support a young starting lineup and a young core that is still developing. So I feel that it, it it's pretty validated to say that of all the Grizzlies that have played this year it seems as if the opinion of Jones may have increased the most in terms of players in terms of fans and the NBA viewing him as a critical part to the Grizzlies future he truly is as when he is on the court the Grizzlies a lot of times have their best advantages against other teams and not only was he important to the success of the Grizzlies exceeding expectations this season but now Jones has emerged as an integral part of the Grizzlies core going forward and could be a big reason why the Grizzlies continue to, you know, find success on their path to becoming a sustainable winner. When we come back, we're going to talk about another guards, a few other guards whose seasons may now make it to where their future with the Grizzlies or in terms of their roles with the Grizzlies may not be as certain as Tyus's. All of us in some form or fashion have relied on restaurants in the past as outlets to enjoy time with family and the ones that we love to get away from the rigors and the stresses of everyday life. Well now with all that has occurred while we have relied on restaurants in the past they are now relying on us. Though their dining rooms may be closed we can still enjoy the same delicacies that they offered in the past through the delivery app known as DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Wendy's and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants are still open as we speak, And all you have to do is open the DoorDash app, select your favorite restaurant, and the food will be left right at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONMBA. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONMBA. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONMBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The fall is here, many activities are going on, obviously school is starting, so now more than ever is the least advantageous time for something to go wrong with your car, but as we all know, it likely will. Well, if you're someone like me who can just doesn't have a lot of knowledge about cars I may not be able to do the repairs but I at least know where to go to get the parts and that's rockauto.com rockauto.com is great for several reasons it's easy to use within a few clicks of the button you'll get what you need and you're likely going to find what you need due to the depth of options in terms of car parts and makes and models that rockauto supports no matter your level of expertise on cars if you do your own repairs do them for others or if you need someone else to do them for you rockauto.com can support what whichever level of car knowledge you have and it's also cost efficient this is a family-owned business they know a lot of times car repairs fall outside of the budget so they try to keep things as inexpensive as possible if you go to rockauto.com right now let them know the locked on podcast network sent you rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need visit rockauto.com today Tomorrow on Locked on Grizzlies, we will end our player review series by looking at some significant names in the starting lineup. A few names who certainly are a big, all three of the names we'll be looking at are a big part of the Grizzlies core. Uh, two of them uh, certainly had um, a very good season for the Grizzlies. One of them did not play a game at all, but we'll still talk about how integral he is viewed by the franchise to the success of the future, to the future of the franchise. We will talk about that tomorrow. But continuing to look at the guards, the backcourt, and members of the backcourt who were relevant to the Grizzlies' success this season, we now turn our attention to the Anthony Melton. When it comes to um, De'Anthony Melton, the thing about it is this: is that there likely is not a better example of how awesome of a job that this front office and the coaching staff did at identifying and developing talent this season than De'Anthony Melton, in my opinion. Me, Melton was acquired in the trade with Josh Jackson, in which Kyle Corver and Javon Carter was sent to Phoenix for Melton Jackson and, and two second-round picks. Now, Jackson may have been the headliner, but it certainly seems as if the Grizzlies were focused on Melton, as there had been rumors, there had been, you know, talks that the Grizzlies had been aware of Melton or had focused on Melton before the 2018 draft. Well, coming into the season, Melton was a back-of-the-bench talent, you know, he wasn't really seen... He was not really a part of the rotation to start off. But as injuries and ineffective start and ineffectiveness started to impact the Grizzlies as they as they got past a very tough part of the series in late November, Melton started to Melton started to see his play increase. And as it continued to increase, it became that the Grizzlies clearly were at their best they clearly had their biggest advantage a lot of times when Melton was on the court now Melton didn't provide that value or did not add value in you know traditional manners as you would expect for the season he played 60 games started eight of them and averaged 19.5 points per or 19.5 minutes per game he he averaged 7.6 points Three rebounds, three point seven rebounds, two point nine assists, and one point three steals. But the big thing about Melton is is that his contributions were not from shooting. Melton actually shot forty percent from the field this year and only twenty eight percent from three. In fact. Melton was one of only 11 players, 10 players this season who attempted at least 143 pointers and shot less than 30%. So shooting is not a big part of Melton's game. We had hoped to see that from the scrimmages and from the training camp that we saw in the bubble, but Melton never really really developed shooting from distance. It just simply was not a part of his game. While that is important, The big thing about Melton, though, and the encouraging thing about Melton, is that he found other ways to contribute. On the season, Melton, as mentioned above, per 36 minutes, Melton averaged 14 points per game. But he also averaged nearly 7 rebounds, over 5 assists, and nearly 2.5 steals on a per-36 basis. In other words, Melton was quite impressive in his ability to contribute in many other ways beyond scoring. Yes, in the Grizzlies' style of play, their pace and space style of play, shooting is extremely important. And that likely is the preference when it comes to player evaluation. But the Grizzlies have also mentioned high IQ players who can contribute. In many ways, and that certainly is what Melton can provide. Just how special was this season in terms of melting, Melton contributing in many ways? Uh, in terms of NBA history, De'Anthony Melton became just the third guard in NBA history who is who played at least a hundred or at least a thousand minutes in a single season, who contributed a twenty percent or higher assist percentage. A three percent or higher steal percentage, a one point five percent or higher block percentage, and a nine point five percent or higher total rebounding percentage. Now that's a lot that's a very specific statistical inquiry. A lot of times when people see that, they immediately think, Well, if you gotta get that specific, that just seems like you're trying, you know, that that, that doesn't that seems like you're trying too hard to make a player look valuable. But again, I mentioned he's the third player in third guard in NBA history to produce a season such as that. The other two players are Scottie Pippen, who did it twice, and Michael Jordan. Jordan and Pippen's ability to contribute from all other areas of the game, along with their historically good scoring ability, is what made them Hall of Famers. I'm not saying Melton is that. I Melton is likely a very talented reserve in the early part of his career, but my point of bringing that up is that Melton clearly is a source of value anytime he steps on the court, besides being someone who struggles shooting. Another sign, another piece of evidence that points this out was just how advantageous Melton was when he was on the court with the Grizzlies. In terms of the Grizzlies' four-man lineups, any four-man lineup combination the Grizzlies played this year that played 100 minutes or more together, De'Anthony Melton was a part of five Of the six four man lineup combinations that had the best, that produced the six best uh, defensive ratings of all the four man lineup combinations that played for the Grizzlies. He also was a part of five of the six four man lineup combinations that produced the Grizzlies' best net rating. Now, this is not saying that Melton was a part of the Grizzlies' most talented lineups. What this is saying is that when the Grizzlies were experiencing their best advantages, The Grizzlies lineups that gave the the team its best advantage this season, Melton was frequently on the court when that was going on. So Melton clearly is a source of value for the Grizzlies. And again, like I say, though he does not shoot that well, A big thing about Melton's game that does add value for the Grizzlies' philosophy is in transition. For instance, you could look at the Toronto Raptors game in the bubble. Though he did struggle overall in the bubble, Melton became the first Grizzlies player to produce at least six steals in less than 25 minutes of play in a game. Melton is a playmaker on defense. And not only that, he also can contribute as both a playmaker and scorer in transition. So with Melton's ability to get blocks and create steals, he is a big contributor to setting up fast break opportunities for the Grizzlies and can hold his own in terms of being someone that could add value offensively in transition as well. So when it comes to Melton, his in terms of his future with the Grizzlies, it's kind of up in the air right now simply because he is due to be a restricted free agent. The other thing to consider when it comes to Melton is that as he struggled in the bubble, and as you know, it, it just to be honest, it seemed like his offensive game struggled without playing with Tyus Jones, Grayson Allen emerged as a clear offensive threat off the bench for the Grizzlies, especially in terms of shooting. That emergence by Grayson Allen could impact the Grizzlies' decision-making when it comes to Melton being a restricted free agent. I don't necessarily think it's going to lessen their pursuit of keeping Melton. I simply think that it gives the Grizzlies more reason to not overextend themselves. If another team comes and just pays a hefty price to bring Melton into the fold on their team and it's going to be hard for the Grizzlies to match, the emergence of Allen may make it easier for Memphis to say, okay or they could work out a sign-and-trade for Melton. But ideally, the Grizzlies, especially in the you know uncertain financial environment that awaits, ideally, I'm sure the Grizzlies would love to bring Melton back. Again, while Melton does not have the shooting prowess that seems to be preferred in Taylor Jenkins' system, his style of play is a needed contrast to the other Grizzlies players, who were good on the offensive side of the game in terms of efficiency, passing, and finishing. Melton's ability to be in those lineups and create defensive plays, create turnovers, get stops, it's an awesome contrast and a needed contrast to the offensive game of the Grizzlies and it really allows for the net value of lineups that he's in to to be positive and really create advantage for Memphis. So overall DeAnthony Melton certainly had a productive season while his scoring is something that is a work in progress and may never be um, anything more than passable. The level of contributions that he offers from other places, especially on defense, allows for him to add value, and I truly feel makes him a priority for the Grizzlies to keep around hopefully for multiple years as another member of a very, very talented bench that could be one of the best benches in the NBA for the foreseeable future. When we come, we're going to take our final break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about, in my opinion, the most polarizing talent on the Grizzlies roster this year and how his performance this season really brings into focus his future role with the team. So a lot of discussion about the Grizzlies and the players on the roster since the season has ended has certainly focused on Jabari and Brandon Clark because of the anticipation for the award season and their you know the recognition that both of them deserve um, in terms of their stellar rookie years. But it's hard to deny that there was a more polarizing figure or more discussed figure, especially in the bubble and the season overall, than Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, in my opinion, is the one player among Grizzlies fans that is likely more discussed than than any other player when it comes to what is his true value. Now, I myself have been a critic for of Brooks. You know, this entire season, you know, for, I, I mentioned that when his when he was play, he was playing well leading up to his extension. Just waited until the competition gets a little bit tougher. He signed his extension. You know, I was a critic of that. In time, though, I have come to understand that. Brooks has his role to play and he plays it to the best of his ability but just exactly what does that mean well well here's kind of how it breaks down for the season Brooks was the Grizzlies starting point guard from the onset he started he played in 73 games and started all 73 of them playing nearly 29 minutes per game on the season Brooks shot 60 or he shot 40 percent on nearly 15 shots per game overall, and 36% from three, averaging about, you know, a, a little over five and a half three-pointers per game. He averaged 16.2 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 3.3, or 3.3 rebounds and 2.1 assists. On the surface, that shows a player who is probably one of the Grizzlies, you know, most go-to scoring threats. But in terms of his actual scoring ability, it's more quantity than it is quality. This is backed up by the fact that this season of the players that 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 shot four hundred or more threes, there were thirty-three players who shot four hundred or more threes. Of those thirty-three players, Dylan Brooks, in terms of field goal percentage, is 30th out of those 33 players. In terms of true shooting percentage, he is 32nd out of 33 players. And in terms of effective field goal percentage, he is 31st out of 33 players. Basically, what this means is is that Dylan Brooks is the definition of a volume shooter. He is someone who is going to shoot, and if he's not being successful, he's going to try to shoot his way out of it. We've seen that all season long. However, the thing about Brooks, the reason why... Brooks Steele is a polarizing figure is because there was a certain stretch of his season in which he did play very well and he was a difference making talent. But as I stated then, and I feel the numbers show now, I feel that was more due to the level of competition that Brooks was playing instead of Brooks's actual true talent level. A way to look at that is Brooks's true shooting percentage. Per month this season, when Brooks got going was in it was in December and January of this year, and his true shooting percentage seems to show that Brooks started off the season okay. But when the month that when December came along, he really started to take off. For instance, in in October, in four games, his true shooting percentage was at forty nine point six percent. It stayed consistent around 49% in November. And then in December and January, it shot up from around 49% to 54% in December and then nearly 58% in January. But then Brooks signed his extension. And as it was noted after that, he significantly fell off. In February, his true shooting percentage went all the way from 58 down to 40%. In March, before the season was suspended, it was at 46%. The reason why I bring up that as a as a one um, as to me one of the most significant stat sources for Brooks this season is because if you look at the Grizzlies' schedule, their schedule was significantly um, tougher from the start of the season through November, and then from February until the the, the season was suspended in March in December and January the Grizzlies schedule was a lot that's where the Grizzlies really took off and really established himself as playoff contenders yes it was due to them exceeding expectations but it was also due to having one of the easiest schedules in the NBA over that time frame and therefore Brooks actually took advantage of that and because he was playing against lesser talent Played really well. He played very well during that time frame, but it was because the Grizzlies were playing less talented teams, in my opinion. When Brooks was faced with, tougher schedule, with a tougher stretch of games, his performance slacked off, and he showed that he may be overextended as a true starting shooting guard in the NBA. This leads me to the statement that I've made before regarding Dylan Brooks. As a starting two-guard, He offers the highest potential and the most consistent needed performance of any of the Grizzlies options on their roster. He fits that description of his role more than he does as an actual quality starting shooting guard. What I mean by that is this, is that we all know that Dylan Brooks is a quantity scorer. He's someone that he's a volume shooter, as I mentioned, there's more quantity to his game than quality. But there is value in that. In a pace and space system, like Taylor Jenkins likes to run, there has to be some type of self-creator when it comes to shooting. And Dylan Brooks is the Grizzlies' most consistent um, performer when it comes to creating his own shot. For instance, when, in terms of pull-up attempts, in terms of pull-up shot attempts from distance this season, on jump shots, Dylan Brooks pulled up 432 times. That means he created his own jump shot 432 times this season. The next closest person that did that was John Morant, who did it 285 times. After that, Tyus Jones did it 194 times. As I've stated before, the Grizzlies coming into this season, and still, in my opinion, they ended this season. Their performance in the bubble showed it. The Grizzlies, in terms of their individual shooting talent on the roster... In terms of talent that can create their own shots, they still had one of the lowest talent pools in the league when it came to that specific um, trait, creating your own shot. Brooks is the person on this roster who can get his own shot consistently. Now, unfortunately, he's not that good at making those shots, but you do need that type of shot creator so that the defenses can at least be alert to it, and that adds another wrinkle to the offense. But the bubble, in my opinion, really revealed what Dylan Brooks' value is to this team. Let's look, taking a look at the game logs for Dylan Brooks in the bubble. You kind of see what I, what I mean by that. When it comes to his game logs from when we played Portland to start off the bubble to when we ended Portland, here is Brooks' shot efforts in those games. He was 6 of 16 against Portland. 7 of 20 against San Antonio, 5 of 13 against New Orleans, 7 of 17 against Utah. He was 10 of 18 versus Oklahoma City, 11 for 26 against Toronto, 5 of 15 against Boston, and 12 of 18 against Milwaukee. So the thing about it is this, is that when it comes to, um, and, and also in the game against Portland, the play-in game, he also was very productive as well. What that reveals about Brooks is this, is that he's he's kind of an all-or-nothing type talent. When he is on, the Grizzlies can compete with anyone. You can see that in the two games that they won in the bubble versus the playing game and the playing game in which way they were very competitive, the games that they won in that final playing again, game against Portland, arguably their three best performances, was when Brooks was at his best. He shot um, above 50% in both of those games. But obviously for a player whose season probably is going to be most defined by a meme in which he shot a 3 with triple team with Grayson Allen in the corner, we also know that the that while he can, while he can be great when he's on, he can certainly be detrimental to when he's off. The reason why Brooks is polarizing is because our fans know that when Brooks is on, this team can play with anybody in the league, and we are a true playoff contender. But when he's off, he certainly can take away from the Grizzlies' performances. The key for if Brooks is going to remain that type of player. He does have a role on this team. However, that likely is as a sixth man off the bench. The Grizzlies are going to need to find some way to make it to where Brooks is not all or nothing to remain their starting shooting guard. He is going to have to find ways, especially with his decision-making... If his shot is not there, he's going to have to show better decision-making to give the Grizzlies better offensive looks. As I mentioned a few times in the bubble, the Grizzlies may not have lost that many turnover battles, but when you consider the fact that Brooks, arguably 7-10 to times a game, wasted a possession on a bad shot, that's just like a turnover. And that 7-to-extra possessions, the Grizzlies could have found better shots and had a chance to win in a lot of their close games. If Brooks is consistently doing that more often than he is actually contributing as a consistent scorer, his best place in the future is on the bench. However, if he can fill in that all-or-nothing void from where if he is great as a shooter, that's awesome. But if he's not, he can find other ways to contribute, such as setting up other players and making better decisions. I do think he has a very valid spot on this team. But in terms of Brooks' future with the Grizzlies, I do not think that their ceiling has met with him as the starting two guard. I feel that he is a very solid six man. I feel that his contract shows that. I feel the Grizzlies gave him a contract extension to eventually, if he turns into... A starting shooting guard, they got a they got a discount. Obviously, they got a bargain. If he becomes a six man, he's basically paid league average. Or if he continues to be a frustrating player that the Grizzlies have certainly given plenty of opportunities to, and he's just not developing, then he could become a potential trade piece when it comes to matching salary. So there are certainly many ways in which Brooks can add value for the future. Hopefully, in time, he'll be able to continue to develop his game. Maybe he becomes a better shooter. Perhaps on nights that he's not shooting well, he becomes a better decision maker and can contribute in other ways. But at this point in time, in terms of the player um, Dylan Brooks is, yes, he offers the highest ceiling of any of the Grizzlies' current options when it comes to the off-guard playing next to John Moran, so he makes the most sense as a starter. But in the grand scheme of things, as the Grizzlies try to move closer to contention, I think Brooks is best utilized off the bench, and hopefully in time the Grizzlies will make a move to bring in a better talent to be the starter, and Brooks can add to an already beneficial bench to get us one step closer to being a contender. Thanks so much for joining us on this uh, edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC. Tomorrow, we will again focus on some bigger names on the Grizzlies roster in the final part of our player review series, really diving into some of the Grizzlies starters and how they can continue to be impactful as the Grizzlies continue to develop as a team. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.